from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We have some breaking media news that actually, I believe, will eventually impact most sports fans that consume television. Uh, or do we even call it television anymore? What is a stream? Streaming platform. Streaming platform. Services. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers are combining their sports rights to launch a new sports streaming service. Which means if there's a game on Fox, if there's a game on Warner Brothers, if there's a game on ESPN, they will all be found on the same sports streaming service. The service will be available, according to Joe Pompliano, who c- covers uh, sports business about as well as anybody, um, to all ESPN+, Plus, Hulu, and Max subscribers. So if you already have Hulu with live sports, if you already have uh, Max, which is formerly known as HBO Max or ESPN Plus, you will already be subscribed to this greater sports platform of streaming, which I'm sure will have some wild name like Sporter with no like, you know, S-P-O-R-T-R or something like that, right? It'll be crafty and hard to say and hard to search for. But the uh, each company, meaning ESPN, Fox and Warner Brothers, will own one third of the product. And I think that means you're going to throw all of your sports, all the the things that air on your channels, to one platform. I'm for it. I'm for it. Let's go. I want, now we need CBS, right? We need CBS to get involved. Uh, We need Apple to get involved. We need all of them. And then they can just have, like, the sports app. How about that? Every time I want to watch a game, we need Bally to get involved. We need Amazon to get involved. ABC. Uh, Amazon, <laughs> Bally, CBS. Just throw them all into the one. And then, like, if you have Roku or whatever it is, if you have streaming, you just go to one app and all of the sports are there. Completely forgot that ABC is already its own yeah, its own thing. It is. Thank you that, for just but, trying to That's to already in there because ESPN and ABC are all Disney. Um, like, I want to be able to just go to one place and find all of the games. I get, uh, like, way too frustrated when it's a Thursday and I know I want to watch Thursday Night Football or when it's, like, tonight and I know that I'm going to be watching the the Canes and I open up YouTube TV and I'm like, oh, it's not there. Uh, must be on Amazon. I go to Amazon. Oh, it's not there. Must be on Bally. And it's just, like, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. But if this is a way that they can all make money, I can limit the stream the streaming services that I'm actually subscribed to. I'm for it. I'm for it. You know, I, I make the joke too often, probably. Most of you have heard it. But if I wish there was a way that we could get all the streaming services together into one service. Maybe put them in a situation where, like, each streamer is, is numbered. And then I could just use the up and down button on my remote to go from streaming service to streaming service. And then... There could be like a guide channel that shows me what's on on all of the the streaming services. And then you realize you're just describing cable. (laughs) Just longing for the days when cable existed. I also used to pride myself on how good I was when there were like two games on. And I wanted to watch one, but I wanted to flip to the other during commercials. And I, I could just judge how long the commercial was and come back. That's a completely useless skill anymore. 
Because now, like, you never log out of your streaming service and go into another streaming service. The previous button the remote has just lost complete meaning. Yeah, the, the back. I used to be king of the, the return. That's number five. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week, which means the Panthers should at least have their notebooks open. Right? You can at least learn something from what the teams that did it right this year did. Right? Okay, what can I learn from the Chiefs? What can I learn from the Niners? How did they get from, from the bottom to the top? They had to be struggling at some point in time. How did they get here? First of all, they both hired very, very, very good offensive head coaches. So you, you're at least on the right side of the basketball, right? You're at least on the right side of the basketball. I'm saying basketball because it's basketball season. You're at least on the right side of the football. That was a weird mental mistake. Uh, you're at least on the wrong side of the ball. We'll just say, uh, the, we'll say it that way. The right side of the ball. Goodness. Um, offensive head coaches are the way. right? And and that's no disrespect to defensive coaches. I actually, if I, if I had my druthers, what I would do, if I were like a GM or a, an owner, is I would have an offensive head coach with the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. Like that's what I would do, um, because I think I think defensive coordinators are very important, but offensive head coaches are most important. So Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, you just have to hope you you struck gold with Dave Canales. The other thing they did is they have elite tight ends. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, both of these teams have been to multiple Super Bowls with those guys at at tight end. It's versatility is what it gives you right it gives your your uh offensive minded head coach and play caller uh the chance to be multiple right when you have travis kelsey or george kittle in the game there's so much more you can do there's so much more mismatch there's so many more mismatches that you can create so you have to continue doing that as much as you possibly can and then you know strike gold with your quarterback it's it, the, the the best part about football and the worst part about football is that it's really not that complicated. You can make it seem as complicated as you want. Right? Sean Payton and Drew Brees speaking in what seems like another language, right? We need a razor left. Ralph, 47 under Titan Rocket. Like, yeah, great. Spider 2 Y banana. Like you why hide? Whatever you want to do. You can you can throw them all out there. You can make it sound real complicated. But if you have a great quarterback. If you have a really good offensive line, you have a really good defensive line, and you have a couple def- uh, playmakers at anywhere else, right? Playmakers at wide receiver, tight end, uh, corner, linebacker, you're going to have a pretty good team. Then it's about filling in the edges. It- it's not rocket science. Get everybody bought in going in the right direction. It's first step. And if you look at the Niners, if you look at uh, the Chiefs, there's a lot of that going on, right? All- they spent on offensive line. Their quarterbacks are playing well. They have a couple playmakers elsewhere. They're good in the defensive front. They have uh, a couple stud defensive linemen. You, like, you put all that together, you're going to be good. Then it's about the the flair and everything else to get you there. And then to go off that, as you mentioned, building up your offensive line, putting weapons around your quarterback, it all just goes into what I have been saying is finding your strengths and utilizing them. Patrick what? Mahomes, Kansas City offense, they're a pass-heavy team. Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers, you see that offense be a lot more run heavy. So for the Carolina Panthers, it gives them an idea of what do we want to build around Bryce as far as our offensive scheme. 
what do you want to build around Bryce? But uh, you know, the way I always put it is is learn about Bryce, right? Uh, and and figure out what players he plays well with. Does he need speed? Does he need jump ball guys? Does he throw to, to openings? Does he throw quick game best? Is he a play action guy? Like all of that, and then make your decision and make your evaluations moving forward. That's number four. Let's get to number three. One, two, three. Three it has to do with Toby Keith passing away. Uh, Toby Keith, country music superstar, uh, businessman. I looked it up. He's worth like $400 million. Uh, he's made way more away from country music than he made with country music, even though he has you know 20 or 30 number one country hits. Um, Beer for My Horses, uh, How Do You Like Me Now, right? Really, really tremendous uh should have been a cowboy uh tremendous career i'm going to tell a story that involves a uh, a toby keith song for this reason it's it's got to be interesting to be a musician at his level and 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 there are you know multiple different uh genres that that you know produce stars but he likes soundtracks like you listen to a toby keith song there's a good chance it takes you somewhere right takes you to a memory takes you to a cookout takes you to a particular fourth of july and uh the song by toby keith made in the usa is weirdly connected to some of my favorite memories of my football career and I, i've told this story quickly in passing but i'm going to give the details now uh because i think it, it just shows that you know when you write a song that's catchy when you write a song that gets play it, it's it's soundtracks people's lives and and toby keith did that time and time and time again as as like i said many different artists have um so i played college football at the university of delaware and you probably know that by now uh i was a quarterback and the lesser known part of my career is i was a holder so i was the holder for our field goal kicker and uh because of that we had a unique warm-up situation because normally right everybody goes out and kind of warms up together uh, and the kickers go kick, and then the quarterbacks go throw. But because I was the holder, me and the kickers would go out early. And uh, and then I would go back in then come out with the quarterbacks just to get, you know, our reps together that we needed. And for home games, for all four years I was there, we had the very same pregame playlist, right? It's made by probably the coaches. They liked it. And uh, at the time we went out to, to warm up, just me and the kickers, me and the kicker, his name was Sean, great dude, uh, Made in the USA by Toby Keith was playing. So we'd sing it, right? It was just us out on the field by ourselves. Fans would be filling in. We'd we'd laugh. We'd sing. We'd get a cut. It was actually Long Snapper was with us, our guy, Eddie, uh, and, and, and we would kick. And he'd kick, you know, left hash, right hash, left hash, right hash, go back to the 50-yard line, left hash, right hash, left hash. Boom, we're good, and we'd sing it. And then uh, anytime we went on the field for an actual field goal, kickers are a strange beast, okay? They're, they, love, they, they have a love-hate relationship with pressure, right? They go out there. They know the weight is on their shoulders. And the holder has to be kind of the therapist, right? So I'm looking, at, looking in his eyes. And anytime I could tell that my kicker was a little off, right, in his own head, thinking too much, uh, I'd look at him and – this is not my like. It's not the coolest thing I ever did. I give him a couple bars of "Made in the USA" by Toby Keith because it would make him laugh. It would bring it back to warm ups. It would kind of reset everything. 
we had a very successful career as far as kicker and holder. Never missed an extra point in the, the years I held for him. Made a whole bunch of big kicks. But because of that, right, and, and it stinks being a quarterback and a holder, by the way, right? Because, like, you throw a touchdown where the extra point's going to take the lead. Everybody else gets to run off to the sideline and celebrate, right? So the receiver, touchdown, yeah, goes to the sideline. Offensive line, yeah, goes to the sideline. Me, I threw the pass, and I'm like, all right, let me get, let me get locked in for this hold. So, so I'm out there, and uh, so literally some of the best plays of my career, the ones that I, like, you know, will explain to my grandkids, you know, the 30-yard touchdowns when I tell them to my grandkids will be 60-yard touchdowns. They won't have a way to check on it. Uh, were immediately followed by me singing a Toby Keith song to a nervous kicker. And, and it was made in the USA, and it was always uh, – <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to sing it. But I know the exact lines that I would sing. And, and I would hold, and he would make the kick, and we'd, we'd high-five. We had our little handshake. We'd go to the sideline. Everyone else would already be kind of calmed down, focusing on the next play. And, and, uh, and then we would have our little Toby Keith moment. And you don't think about that kind of stuff, I'm sure, when you write the song, right? Because the song was about his dad, and it was about uh, how his dad was somebody that you know got his hands dirty and, and did the work and he was made in the USA and he and he cared about that sort of thing and he wouldn't wear anything unless the tag in the back said made in the USA so so i'm sure that he uh you know wrote it with all these thoughts and you don't think like oh this is going to every time that song plays it's going to bring back a positive memory for a college quarterback somewhere on the far other side of the country that uh wasn't a particularly big country music fan at the time but but it's uh it's a cool legacy that musicians have that I think some of the best athletes have, right? Where it's like, hey, when Tom Brady threw a touchdown, that was me and my dad watching the game. Or, hey, when the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Philly Special, like that that whole Philly town. Or or when, uh, you know, Cam Newton did that thing. Or uh, when, when UNC basketball beat Duke. I ran down Franklin Street with my freshman year roommate and all that kind of stuff. Like there's there are certain things about being in public where the the memories, your legacy, live on in other people's lives. And and I think that's a cool legacy for Toby Keith. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you were hoping that the country music everything kind of uh, country music world embraced it. But I'll tell you, there's a couple of wins in the Delaware record book that Toby Keith had a weird hand in. That's number three. Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Speaking of. UNC getting a win, running down Franklin Street, beating Duke. Uh, Clemson is their follow-up. UNC beat Duke. They have Clemson at UNC tonight. Uh, And obviously the big story, the big challenge in this one is not just Clemson. It's not just P.J. Hall being a 20-point scorer and a seven-rebound guy, two two blocks. It's not just that. It's not just Joe Girard. It's not just Brown Brownell being their, their coach and being around forever. It's not just Clemson. It's also about Duke. It's about UNC putting that win in their rearview mirror. Here's Hubert Davis on getting his team past the Duke win. You know, I always give them, you know, thoughts of the day every day. I send them stuff, you know, for on, you know, through texts, like stuff I see, like motivational stuff on Instagram. And, you know, there was one thought of the day about, you know, it's not all said and done until you've, you know, done everything that you can do and you've said everything that you can say and one of the things that we talk about all the time is there's more to be done and there's more to be said and so um 
you know, I think he should feel good about where we are now, but that's it. I mean, there's, there's so much more room for improvement. There's so much more to be said. So much more, more to be said. Finish the story. Finish the story. But, but also, you know, I talk about like not letting a loss beat you twice. That seems to be the, the more cliche way to talk about something like this. If you have a heartbreaking loss, flush it, move on. Don't let it beat you twice. Don't let the next game be be caught up in the last game. The same is true for a big win. The same is true for a big win. Don't let the big win beat you the next game. Because that, like, obviously you want to win the Duke game. It's bigger. If you had to choose between beating Clemson and beating Duke, you'd, you'd pick beating Duke. But But also, like, as far as ACC standings go and things like that, one win and one win, right? If if you you beat Duke, but then you're so exhausted and you're so mentally drained from that that you lose to Clemson, it's that's one win, one loss. You're right back to where you were prior to the game. Uh, so it is it is about finding a way to get past it. It is about finding a way to focus in on the next opponent, and that's where athletes have mental tricks. Coaches have mental tricks. That's where you might remind them about the last time you played Clemson maybe a hard foul the last time you played Clemson a guy that played well against you and and you know leave that stat line in somebody's locker you need to find a new way to make the Clemson game feel special also think a big factor of is can you continue to to succeed at what you did so well against Duke for example if Clemson's game plan is to shut down RJ Davis can Armando Baycott continue what he did on Saturday night can Harrison Ingram continue to have a good game can North Carolina continue to get the ball in transition off defensive rebounds. Can you just continue to build off that win and what you did so well in it against Clemson? That's going to be a physical team. I agree with that. And and I think the Armando Baycott thing will be interesting to track. Like, the Duke game showed us that, you know, that dude is still in there. Baycott's back. I don't know if Baycott's, Baycott's back. It's, we know he has the potential, like, he when he's locked in, he's that guy. Right? It's not like whatever that was, there that beast left him right because we've seen that I've seen basketball players one year be great the next year no matter how hard they try they can't bring that beast back to the surface um I we know that's not the case anymore the beast came back to the surface so now he has to find a way to to bring him around all the time he doesn't have to continue to think that he has a reserve role he has to take a step back kind of like what he was talking about with Hubert Mm -hmm. Davis going into that Duke game yeah, it's kind of ridiculous that he ever thought he should take a reserve role. There, you don't have to be the leading scorer, but but Baycott shouldn't be. Don't sacrifice. It's not background Baycott, right? Yeah. It's 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 not that. Uh, that's number two. Let's get to number one. The one. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hockey night in Carolina. 
Tonight, right here, 99.9 The Fan, Canes, Vancouver. The Canucks are a legitimate test. Number one in goals scored per game, number two in goals allowed per game. They are not messing around. And they added Elias Lindholm. We didn't talk about that earlier. Elias Lindholm making his debut for the Canucks against the Canes. That's a revenge game. That's a debut game. It's a lot of uh, motivation for Elias coming into this one. A lot of storylines in this hockey game. A lot of storylines. And, and you know, you may think like, oh, the Canes have completely turned over their roster since then. I mean, Rod was an assistant. Some of the guys have been around. Obviously, the the stalls on the team have been around. So, so yeah, this this is a little bit of a an emotion game. You, you do want to... And also, by the way, there's some fans out there, some analysts out there that the, that believe the Canes should have been involved in trading for Elias Lindholm. Maybe he could have been someone that gave them a jolt uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. So you want to prove they're wrong, right? They shouldn't have traded me for Elias Lindholm is what some Canes should be thinking. Um, you brought up Ajo being, being uh, not featured as much in the All-Star break. I don't think this is the way Ajo ticks, but maybe someone is out there thinking, the Canes aren't getting any respect, right? One all-star, didn't have anyone really in, in, in the running for the fan vote. Uh, Ajo was not chosen to be in the skills competition, which he said he would have liked to because, I mean, heck, there's a million-dollar prize on the line. Why would he not like to be involved? Yeah, uh, He's in his prime. He's he's a, a growing and also established star. Uh, and then his team got eliminated quickly. I mean, you blink and you you missed his entire participation in the all-star game. Um Pyotr Kochekov is back. Hasn't played since December 12th, uh, but prior to that was playing lights-out hockey. That's that's a very – I think it was December 12th. I believe it was December 12th. I can't remember the exact game Uh, on the top of my head either. I just just had a weird, like, uh, you know, elf pop into my head and go, like, it wasn't December 12th. But I think it was. Um so anyway, uh, it, it's it's a game that is going to try your focus, right? You, you've been out of it for a little bit. Some guy's been on the beach, a little more relaxed atmosphere, maybe a couple drinks, kind of reset before you come back ready to play. Um, but but it is a uh, it is a game that will try their, their focus. And for me, I want to see if the Hurricanes can continue this trend that we've seen when they have some of these bigger opponents that they play against. Can they continue to rise to the occasion? I mean, I – if you had told me on Monday that the Vancouver Canucks were the top two in the NHL, I would have been like, are you sure? Like, the Rangers, the Bruins aren't up there. But lo and behold, they're the best in the Pacific mm-hmm. or the Western Conference, best overall in the league. So, big game for Carolina coming right out of the All-Star break. It kind of – And, and I, I, we, should, we should put full context on it. I've been saying it all day that they're the, uh, the best team in the NHL. That's in the standings. If you look at things like the, the betting odds to win the Stanley Cup, they're ninth, tenth in, in the league. So, you know, they're not an unbeatable Goliath coming in here. You don't have to do anything outside of, of what you do. The Canes are one of the betting favorites to win the Cup. They actually have better chances when it comes to betting odds to win the whole thing and hoist the Cup. So focus on you. Do what you do. Play great team defense. Uh, help out your goalie. Be opportunistic on offense, right? Create good chances, and, and you'll be all right. But that's much more easy, easily said than done. Uh, let's hear from Rod Brendamore on what he's looking for in his first game back uh, after the All-Star break. Well, there's always a concern when you have a layoff like that. that just Are you going to start on time? Are you going to 
you know, how, how quickly you're going to get up to speed with where we left off, which was pretty much how you wanted to do it. So um, we won't know until we get in there. And obviously you're playing a real good team. So uh, they're going to, I'm sure, <laughs> get us going right away as well. Again, that game is tonight right here, 99.9 The Fan. Stormwatch at 6.30, uh, puck drop at 7 uh, for that one. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.